are listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. We are in the middle of our Christmas series titled Emmanuel, God with us. What an amazing promise wrapped up in the name of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. That is a promise that you can stand on in the midst of any opposition being thrown your way, in the midst of you feeling alone and isolated, that you are not indeed isolated or alone, that God is with you in the midst of the storm. One of the most beautiful promises that Jesus came and he tore the veil. We don't have to go into the temple. We don't have to sacrifice a goat. Uh, we can come or go to a priest. We have access to the creator of the universe through Jesus. And so we're going to continue on in this series, um, and we're going to be talking about something that is very, very important, not just in this season, but in our lives as believers. And so to open that up or to kind of springboard into this topic, I'm going to bring up this, this subject that some of us kind of get a little weird about. Have you ever noticed uh, that there are certain things in life um, that some people really love and that other people flat out hate? Okay, let me give an example. Running. Okay, some people, they can talk about running all day long. They're like, let's go run. They love running. It's like their life is running. They got all the gear, you know. Um, and then other people, when you mention running, they're like, oh, I'd rather do anything. They hit their head against the wall. I'd rather do anything than run. Some people love it. Some people um, hate it. Uh, what's another thing like that? NASCAR, right? Some people love NASCAR and watching a car go 640 times around a, a circular track. And other people like don't like that, don't enjoy that. And so um, there's all kinds of different things. I, I could go on for many different subjects, but I'll go ahead and, and stop there. But you know what? There's one thing um, that I believe if you were to tap somebody on the shoulder, anybody on the shoulder, any random stranger, they would, if they were honest, they would probably share, you know what, I hate this. So there's one universal thing that all of us have a really hard time with, and that one thing is waiting. Have you ever tapped somebody on the shoulder in line at Dunkin' Donuts and have them turn around and say, yeah, I've been waiting 44 minutes. Isn't it great? No, nobody says that. They're like, oh, I've been waiting 44 minutes for my drink. This is ridiculous. I could have went to Starbucks down the road and waited probably longer. <laughs> but the point is that nobody enjoys waiting. Yet, um, it's something that we all struggle with. Um, but if you open up God's word and you just fling it open like this and drop a finger in it, you're probably going to come into a story where someone is waiting on something from God. So every single one of those saints that you read about found themselves in a season of waiting. And so the Bible has a lot to say about us um, waiting. And so one of the things that I've learned about God is this. Sure, we all know that God is never late, right? We all know that. He's not going to leave us out to drive. But this is something that I've learned about God, is that he's also never early. 
And that's kind of the one that rubs the, the worst way. <laughs> I wish that he was early. I wish um, that he came a little early so I know, okay, I'm, I'm prepared. I have everything I need so that when that thing comes, I can just pull this out. I can pull this out. That door's going to open. I already know what's ahead. But you know what? That really removes faith from the equation because God is more interested in what's going on in the inside of you of developing your faith and developing your capacity and developing your character. He's not going to open those doors prematurely or early. So God's never late, but he's also never early. He's always on time. And so as we read God's word, um, like I said, we come across a myriad of these different saints that were uh, that had to wait on the promises of God or the prophecies of God. And I came across this the other day, and it's actually, many theologians would argue, it's the first prophecy in Scripture. And it's an obscure Scripture. It's something that you've all heard, but you wouldn't actually think of it, most of us, as, as a prophecy, but it's a prophecy um, about the Savior, about Jesus um, coming, and it's found in the creation story. Um, and we find it in Genesis 3.15. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version. And it says this, And I will put enmity, open hostility, between you and the woman, speaking of Satan and the woman, and between your seed, or offspring, and her seed. He shall fatally bruise, other translations read, will crush your head. Whose head? The serpent's head. And you shall only bruise his heel. So what is he saying? He's saying that a seed is going to come from the lineage of Eve from woman, this man, Jesus, our Savior, who is going to crush Satan. So Adam and Eve are being, uh, are being pushed out of the garden, are being cut off from the garden. They don't know what's approaching them, okay? They originally had dominion. The enemy stole that dominion, and now he has in authority. And so their whole world is turned upside down. And so God is basically saying things are pretty bad now, but let me tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. This enemy, this snake that crawls on the ground that deceived you, he is going to be under the foot of your seed prophesying of the coming of Jesus. Okay, Matt, that's great. We have a coming savior. Why are you sharing that? Because after this prophecy, Centuries, centuries, centuries pass. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever spoke like a dream, illuminated a vision inside of your heart or gave you a word that you could stand on? Or maybe prophetically God spoke to somebody and they came to you in that word and it just resonated with your spirit and you were so excited. You were like, yes, this is the word that I have been looking for. Thank you. I felt alone. I felt isolated, and I knew that these things were stirring in my heart, and then the word of the Lord came. It confirms what God put inside of my heart. I'm so excited, and that was on a Tuesday. Okay, it's Wednesday. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm patient. It's Thursday. I'm so patient. It's Friday. It's Saturday. It's Sunday. Oh, I'm at church. It's going to come. No, it's Monday. It's Tuesday. Wow, it's been a whole week. Wednesday again, it's Thursday. It's not July anymore, it's August. 
September, it's October, it's November. It's not 21, not 2021, it's 2022. I've been waiting on this thing a long, long time. And then you find yourself, it's almost hard to remember what God spoke to you because you haven't had any more engagement with it. You're you're excited about it. You're passionate about it. You're praying about it. And then somewhere along the line, you kind of put it up on a shelf because it almost felt like it, it hurt to, to, to believe in it. It hurt and it was easier to just numb yourself and just put it out of your memory and just forget about it. You ever been there? Centuries had passed since God makes this declaration and no savior. And then this happens. Isaiah 7:14, continuing in the amplified version. Through the prophet Isaiah, God speaks and confirms what he spoke in Genesis. And that's what prophecy does. He says, "Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And so here's God basically saying, I know it's been centuries. I know that this was given to Eve and it was passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. And you haven't seen an iota or a shred of that coming to light. But here I am reminding you of that word and saying it's coming and God is going to be with you in this prophecy. Now, let me ask you, has that ever happened? Because we know Isaiah gives this word and then it's still 700 years before it's fulfilled. So have you ever been given a word? Something comes alive inside your spirit. You're patient, you're waiting, but it hurts so much because nothing is coming. So you know what? Rather than deal with it, you just put it up on a shelf, you forget about it, and then somewhere along the line, maybe somebody runs into you or you're listening to the teaching and God reminds you, this is coming, so you get passionate about it again, you take it out of its shiny box, you put it back on the mantle, you look at it, you pray for it, and then what feels like an eternity goes by again and nothing's happening. And so you put it up on a shelf. Enter Simeon. And I want to read this to you. This is part of the Christmas story. So here's Simeon who's waiting on those words in Genesis, who's waiting on those words from prophesied by Isaiah, who the people of Israel have been waiting on for centuries. And this is a man of, of God. I'm going to read this to you. This is out of uh, Luke 2, and this is 25. And it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So here, here's Israel waiting on this promise, waiting forever, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So now he receives a prophecy saying, yes, what I said in Genesis, yes, what I said prophesied in Isaiah, although they didn't have those books back then, but the words that were coming through. He received a word. It's coming. It's coming in your lifetime, Simeon. Okay? And you're going to see it before you die. And so it says, and he came 
And, what, and all of a sudden, so this was prophesied to you, and then it just picks up. You got to love how the Bible says does that. And he came in the spirit into the temple. So he comes into the temple. He's been in the temple every single day. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, salvation not only for Simeon, but for the world, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this is the child who is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Now Simeon is seeing the promise of what was given and prophesied in Genesis and in Isaiah. And you know, it's interesting as I was reading this, you know, in the Christmas story, Simeon's holding God incarnate in his arms. I can't even imagine what that would be like that God put his son in such a vulnerable state of coming into the world, not as a grown man. Now, he wasn't just transferred here as a 30-year-old man. He, he came in a, as a baby, born in a stable. And now Simeon, who'd been promised this, who's up there in years, who didn't let go of the promise, and must have wanted to put it on that shelf. He must have wanted to put it out of his mind. But the Bible says that he's a devout man and that he waited well for the promise of God over his life. He didn't let it go. He didn't do what was easy. He didn't numb himself with entertainment and just forget the promises of God because they were difficult to hold on to when he didn't see how they were going to manifest. No, this man was devout and he went in and out of the temple to pray and to worship God. And then that one day, that faithful day, in God's timing, not in our timing, the promise came. I love this. And what I noticed was that Simeon was comforted, waiting for the comforter. And this is one of the things that I want to highlight, that God brings us comfort in the midst of our waiting. Now you wait and say, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He was holding Jesus. You said he's waiting for the comforter. Well, listen to this. In John 14, 6, it says this, Jesus' words, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever because Jesus was getting ready to ascend to the right hand of the Father and he knew that he was no longer going to be, but the promise of Emmanuel is that God is with us, so something was gonna have to take place even though the Comforter was there in the flesh, he was saying, I'm going to ascend I'm praying to the Father that he would send another. So there's no there's unbroken fellowship. The Holy Spirit is with us now, the comforter, because that word another in the Greek means another of the same kind, meaning that Jesus is a comforter, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And so we are comforted in the midst of our waiting. 
And so, man, there's so much in there. God sent his son, Jesus, at the perfect time. He didn't send him, you know, immediately through Eve, but he came through Eve's lineage. Everybody did, actually. Um, but God has a different timetable than us. He is always working behind the scenes. And when Jesus came, the stage was set. It was the perfect time for him to come into the world. And I want to remind you and tell you that the thing that you're waiting for, the, the, the promotion that you're waiting for, the person that you're waiting for, the opportunity that you're waiting for, whatever it is that you're waiting for. Because if I had to ask everybody in this room, we are all waiting on something from God. And that isn't something that we should shy away from. It just shows us that we are believers. We wait well in the midst of the prophecy being fulfilled through the promise. And I want to read these words to you. This is something that we can stand on to believe that God is working the behind the scenes on our behalf. Isaiah 64, 4 out of the Amplified says this, For from days of old no one has heard, nor has ear perceived, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who works in acts in behalf of the one who gladly waits for him. In other words, our God works on our behalf behind the scenes while we wait gladly, while we wait well. So there's a way to wait well, and there's a way to wait not well. The way to wait not well, well, the way to wait well, he lays out for us gladly excited. God gave me a promise and I can't wait to see it fulfilled. You know, when I think of somebody that waited well, I think of Joseph. Joseph was given a promise. He was given a dream as a young man. Brothers couldn't stand the dream. They beat him up. They, they threw him in a pit. He was sold into slavery. Okay. And as a slave, he was accused of a crime he didn't commit. And then he was thrown into a dungeon. And then the baker and the butler came in and they were, they were sharing their story. And he could have easily said, yeah, I had a promise spoken over my life one time. Like, just shut up and leave me alone. But instead, he, he, instead, he postured his heart to say, I too have a promise from God. Share me what you've been given in this dream. And they began to share. And he interpreted their dreams. And because he interpreted their dreams, the word got out to Pharaoh, who ended up making a way for him to come to interpret Pharaoh's dream and Joseph became a prince of Egypt. Why? Because he waited well. When Joseph had every reason in the world to let go of that promise, to let go of that prophecy, to let go of that dream that God had placed his heart, in fact, all that dream had ever done is caused him harm in the natural. But Joseph knew that it was a promise and a prophecy and a dream from God. So he held on to it, gladly waiting for its fulfillment. That is the way, as children of God, that we are to wait. The way not to wait is to complain, is to gripe, is to say, man, I don't even know if I believe in God. You know, I don't even know if this is for me. I just, because, and the easy thing to do is just throw it up on a shelf. But I am telling you that every story and every testimony that we read in God's word are the men and women that were willing to stand when others walked away that were willing to contend when others dropped their hands in surrender. 
to believe and to move towards the promise of God. I want to remind you today that God is working behind the curtains of time while you are waiting. The promotion, the relationship, the green light, the miracle, whatever you're waiting for, the the destiny, it does not matter. And sometimes God could very well be working on it or he could be working on you, which I believe was in Joseph's case. You know, Joseph at the beginning when he received that dream, he was a bit, he was bragging. He was a bit of a tattletale. And there was, there was this development of his character by the time the fulfillment of that promise and that prophecy over his life, he had the character to steward the leadership role that God had placed him in as a son, as a prince of Egypt. He wasn't ready for that when he was a kid. So often the reason that we don't see the promises fulfilled is that God is doing something in us. Big takeaway, delay isn't always denial. So just because something is delayed doesn't mean that God is not going to do it. And you have to remember that God is working behind the scenes, but he's also working on you. So don't waste the waiting. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. I love this. We're going to kind of close with this. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act. So he doesn't delay like, I don't know what to do. Uh, How am I going to, I gave somebody this promise. How how am I going to make it come to fruition? Let me think, let me think. He's not delaying like that. And he's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. Well, well, how do you explain it? I was given this promise as a teenager, nothing's come through. God's slow, or he's denying me. Peter is saying none of that is true, but he is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I love that scripture. So you say, well, I've been waiting since I was a teenager. Let me just give you an idea, okay? God's time for your life, for my life, for the promises for your life, for my life, for everyone's life, isn't based on seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries. It doesn't run on that. God's time for the promises that he has placed over your life is predicated on this scripture. And that is this, that none should perish. God built all the plans of men, all the dreams and destinies, all the callings, all the giftings, everything based on this time clock, not Big Ben, not hours, seconds, minutes, weeks, millennia. He based it on this truth that none should perish. When I was doing keg stands in college and I was the furthest away from God that I could ever be, God was working behind the scenes to make sure 
that I was prepared and ready for the promises that he placed over my life. Had he given them to me then, I would have squandered them. It would have been like throwing his pearls to swine. So God knew what he was doing, and my soul was in jeopardy because I was on a one-way path to hell. But God knew, and God knows for each and every single one of us. He's intimate with every detail of our lives. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on our head, my head, your head, your kid's head, everybody's head, and even the ones that get cut off. I want to end in this quote. This is Andrew Murray, and he said this, if any are inclined to despond because they do not have such patience, let them be of good courage. So right there, if you're struggling with patience, be encouraged. It is in the course of our feeble and very imperfect waiting that God himself, by his hidden power, strengthens us and works out in us the patience of the great saints, the patience of Jesus Christ. My friends, you are being strengthened in the waiting and in the patience, like the great saints of old, becoming more and more every day, every minute, every second, every decade, like Christ. So I encourage you to dare to step out in faith, to wait well, and to lean in to the promises of God and stand on the foundation of his faithfulness. Thank you so much. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for everyone under the sound of my voice. I believe that the Holy Spirit illuminated different parts of this message that they needed to hear. And Lord, I know that you have spoken a promise to each and every single one of them, multiple promises, and many of them are weary and tired from holding on to these things. And it would just, it seems in the natural to be easier just to cast it to the side and just forget that it was ever spoken over them. But Lord, I pray for a boldness to rise up on the inside of them, that they would pick that promise back up and contend and believe and that they would share their testimony without seeing an iota of the evidence of it manifested yet in their life, that they would be able to rest on your timeline, that you are a good God, and that he who has begun a good work is faithful to complete it. I pray that you would steady their faith, that you would enlarge their capacity, that you would continue to develop their character, and I pray that you would send a peace that would guard their hearts and minds, to know that at the right time, at the right moment, that they will walk in the manifestation of that promise, bringing glory and honor to your name. God, let it be so. Let this be a, a body marked by waiting well for the promises of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you again. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>